getting the right mindset that if you aspire to do something, if you pay, put a goal to something, then it's a matter of just going and achieving it. And it's the sheer hard work that can get you there. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with property strategist Webhub Rastogi. His personal journey has taken him from being a student of architecture in India to a computer programmer in Singapore to managing $2 billion of funds in Australia. Tune in as he's going to tell us how he built a $5 million plus property portfolio from scratch. Having achieved his own financial freedom, Rostogi now directs his energy into developing strategies to help others achieve theirs. I am a property strategist and a buyer's agent from Get Rare Properties. I help people achieve financial freedom by getting them into the right property uh, for the right reasons. I mean, I'm a big fan of getting the right strategy and it's probably coming from my own financial background. I have been a fund manager of uh, funds of uh, $2 billion wow. and the key thing was to get the right strategy. So once we have the right strategy, then we can go for the right location and then the right property. And then of course, if you can get it for the right price, that's that's a bonus. So I have, I have used that strategy to build my own portfolio of $5 million plus, which is a positively geared portfolio, which I built it from the scratch. And I'm very proud of that. And I am now helping others to achieve something similar, much better, much quicker and with much more ease. Some people have the perception that a person who's achieved financial freedom can be found relaxing at the beach all day. But Rostalgi shares with us the details on how he fills his day with intentional productivity. I'm actually very big on data uh, and uh, I tend to capture a lot of data points through different sources and I try to manipulate them or rather contemplate them. And so that's the kind of a desk job. But as you know, property is all about people and the sentiment. So I'm actually more around on the road, not as much as I would like in these COVID-19 environment. So it's all about Zoom, phone, emails uh, with your with my deep network of real estate agents, mm. trying to understand, uh, going through lots of media, lots of reports out there on the council, trying to go to the source of the of the information, um, as in like, like lots of statistical sites and uh, the economic forecast sites. And coming from the research background, that's actually ingrained in my mindset that we have to do a lot of research. So that's pro- probably I'm doing and uh, all the time, uh, of course. And then the part of it is like understanding the client stories. There's always a story behind the prospects and the clients. So trying to get into it, understand what their whys are, like what are they trying to achieve? And then how I can actually potentially help by helping, by providing them that kind of a property portfolio that can lead them the life they really desire. Like all of us, Rostogi has been affected by the pandemic and he warns of the changing market which could have a negative effect on those who are financially stressed. It is kind of an unprecedented event that everything is being shut down and there's a lot of worry. As we know, people are getting a bit worried uh, about their jobs. Uh, the forecasts are not so so positive as of now. Uh, so to me, yes, going to the ground, understanding what the local demography is doing, seeing it firsthand with my own eyes is one part, but then 
there's a lot that you can actually leverage off other people. To me, it's not just a one-man show. It's just more about the team that you have on the ground. So, so the local real estate agent is or the team that I actually rely on. They are the best people to know what's really going on in the local market. But in terms of the market, I think it's a very, very special kind of, for the lack of a better word, uh, environment whereby the cashed up buyers are actually taking a lot of benefit of this time. Cashed up buyers are taking advantage of the people who are distressed about the job. Um, and, and, and getting the deep bargains. Of course, they're not really available everywhere. We have to really go deep dive into those deals, transactions to find those deals. But despite some vendors needing to sell at an undesirable price, it's not all bad. I work on the win-win situation. Like I'm not really forcing anyone to sell a property at a much desired, as a much lower level of desired amount. Hmm. I mean, they are they are not forced to it. It's just, we are giving an option. So we, in a way, are actually helping them to get out of the deal or out, out of the property. Uh, out of, sorry, if I can say this. Yeah. Um, um, we are actually helping them to, to, to move on with their lives, like with or without their own property. Uh, so it's not really a transaction with a, with a gun on the head. Uh, they they have all the choices. Uh, it's just that. It's to me, it's just a lesson to my own clients and the, the the community that actually talk about that. We have to be risk aware all the time. Yes, we have to have the buffers. Today we are enjoying the benefit of purchasing the distressed properties, but also it gives us a very important lesson that we doesn't really we don't find ourselves on the other side of the transaction when we are distressed and we have to sell out of our transactions at an undesirable pricing. Mm-hmm. So having that kind of buffer all the time, having that kind of risk buffers is, is a key thing. Growing up in India and being the only son, Rustogi had a lot of pressure on his shoulders to look after and provide for his mother. And from a young age, he has challenged himself to do just that. I grew up in a small town uh, near uh, Delhi. It's, it's a city named Meerut. I've been born and brought up over there. Uh, did my schooling and it's a small town but it's still not so small um, because it was a proximity to the metro there that actually gave me a lot of vision that how we can one aspire to have a bit of bigger home over there Mm. i've been brought up in a very humble very uh, god-fearing family so i have always learned to do the right thing Rustoli made it through school and moved into higher education. So I did my, all my high schooling uh, and, and, and made it and then moved to Lucknow to do my architectural engineering for under five years. And I, at the age of 23, I moved to Singapore. So I was there in Singapore for about six years before I moved down to Australia in search of a much better lifestyle. He made the most of his time in Singapore before considering the move to Australia. It was more of an opportunity there. Like I, while I was doing my architecture engineering, uh, I had to change my gears and I had to move to IT career. That was the kind of a flavor. Like everyone was jumping into the bandwagon of IT with the, with the interest of making quicker money. Um, and I, I jumped the bandwagon myself. Uh, I, I'm a self-learned programmer. I learned programming. I had a job offer of IT uh, before I actually finished my architecture degree. And um, from there, there was no turning back. I was once working for a US-based company in Delhi, 
and then I got an offer to come to Singapore. Uh, so that that it was my job, which which actually got me there, and uh, I, love, I fell in love with the country. But before Singapore, there was a life in India, and Rastalgi had a lot of great influences to push him along his journey. I'm actually born and brought up in a city near Delhi. So it's not really a big metro like Delhi. Yep. But I have always been exposed to the city like Delhi. So so with regards to my childhood like we we were a small family like uh, I got two siblings uh, like two elder sisters but we were very close knitted with my all the cousins. We spent all summer vacations together uh, in different cities like following each other and it was a great fun to be together. There was never a pressure of doing something in life. It was very merry-go-happy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, just enjoying uh, the time together. So it was the love and uh, I guess I guess like that was the aspirations as well. Like my uncles have been very well off, like engineers, doctors, defense personnel. That actually helped me to think in my mind that if we do the right thing, then we can actually aspire to be leading a good life later on. Hmm. Compared to my father who actually just enjoyed the life throughout and uh, he gave me a good lesson that it's all about enjoying as well. Like not not really stressing too much and living the moment. Rostogi's parents were the first motivators in his life for different reasons. My father has been, as I said, like was not really very educated. So he was just changing jobs here and there uh, until he finally found something in which he he worked for, for, long, for long hours, different shifts. Um, and I think that took a toll on his health. Uh, he he expired. Uh, he, he passed away a long time back, and that actually got me a lot of, I guess, motivation for me to think about the family. Because back in India, being the only son, I had a huge responsibility on my shoulders to be able to deliver for my mother, especially. So uh, my mother, on the other hand. Uh, very hardworking lady. Um, she she is the inspiration of my hard work behavior or the culture that I have cultivated, because I've seen her working very hard. So so the background is that she started a boutique uh, as a tailoring shop in her household itself, and that actually took her lot lot many hours off her uh, even her parenting. So it was my elder sister who actually took care of me. Uh, as a baby, so I have a huge respect for my mother and my sister wow. uh, for that reason, and uh, that actually has imbibed me that of that kind of culture that I need to be hardworking enough to give back to other people or the community later on. Coming up after the break, we learn about Rostogi's influences in early life uh, until my actually my uncle actually inquire like what's really going on in my life what do i really want to be and i'm really really very grateful to that maybe he doesn't require remember that anymore but actually that made a great impression the moment he pivoted in his career it was hard work but it paid off it paid off like i had a job offer like actually i was really working as a full-time employee while i was doing full-time studies at the same time how his investment journey took him from india to australia because of my share persistence and consistency in my efforts, I was able to land into a job in Westpac as an equities analyst. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory.
The events in Rostogi's life led him to where he is now, but it was something specific that really pushed him to move forward. Back home in India, when you're coming from a lower middle class family, it's the education is the key, which actually I realized early on. I was a very average, mediocre student until maybe year 10, uh, until my actually my uncle actually inquired like, what's really going on in my life? What do I really want to be? And I'm really, really, very grateful to that. Maybe he doesn't require remember that anymore, but actually that made me that a great impression. My one particular uncle and other aunt, uh, they had a lot of confidence in my ability uh, because, you know, like when you are the youngest in the family, you don't really care too much. Uh, you just play around. I was kind of a guy always playing cricket or, or flying kites uh, in my childhood. Then all of a sudden, that was a moment that I was shaken up. Like, okay, what, what do you mean by life? Like, I'm enjoying it. Um, and then I realized that it's all about getting the right mindset that if you aspire to do something, if you pay, put a goal to something, then it's a matter of just going and achieving it. And it's the sheer hard work that can get you there. So back home, it's either you become a doctor or you become an engineer. Um, and that's how it is over there. Uh, and it's so competitive. Like if you really want to make um, above, well, like punch above your weight, you have to really qualify for those kind of institutions where the seats are limited. So competition is very hard. Rostogi stepped up and began to take on a lot of responsibility at a young age. I was actually getting up at 4 a.m. to study, then go to the school, come back. By that time, like mother was already running a business uh, as a boutique. So I was actually helping her later on. I did a few little things as an entrepreneur, uh, real aspect, I guess. Um, so so my, my days were like, I, I felt that 24 hours were not enough, even while I was in year 11, year 12. The reason I choose to go for engineering in particular, I think it's because I always had a neck for numbers. One of my uncle used to always give me riddles and puzzles. As a cousin, we still till date, like when we meet, like our better halves actually get bored to death because we always talk about like puzzles and number uh, numeric riddles. And uh, um, so I guess like problem solving, um, then I was actually pretty good in drawing as well. Like I, I used to make portraits and um, and that that's how I actually choose to become an architect. So I went for my architecture engineering, uh, which is a five years degree course. Um, and that that was kind of very logical for me to get there. Like I really like the number side of it, problem solving, and 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 using the creativity uh, to use my uh, use all of my creativity, uh, yeah. creativity as in you know like uh, the skills holistically. While he was still studying, Ristolgi's life took a different turn. So while I was doing architecture engineering, I realized that it will take me long years to to get myself settled there in terms of supporting my family. So, so I moved into IT. So I self-learned programming. Um, so IT programming. So I let go of my degree relevance of, of architecture or rather choose to become a programmer. So IT programmer. So I had a job of IT before I actually finished my architecture engineering. Oh, so, that's cool. <laughs> so, so it wasn't really cool though, because I was doing two things together at that point of time. Uh, it was hard work, but uh, it paid off. It paid off. Like I had a, like I had a job offer. Like I actually, I was really working as a full-time employee while I was doing full-time studies at the same time. 
being a self-starter, Rastogi taught himself to become a programmer. He used those same self-learning skills which he practiced in his youth to master the art of investing in the future. I started with the programming, so I'm a self-learned uh, programmer. I actually picked the books on databases like Oracle oh. uh, books, the whole set uh, from from one of the libraries and good choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that was fun. Like it was very intriguing. Um, and um, what I realized that there was a bit of similarities as well. Like what I was doing as an architect, like I was putting the whole, you know, as, as a concept, like how the building should be looking like and then trying to get into the details, the finer details, mm. eventually as a confirming components. And that's what we were doing even the IT projects then that having a very clear understanding what the goals are of the project and what are the are difficult constraints around it, whether it's the time, budget, or the constraints of the project, and then how we can work it together. And as we grew up uh, in that career, like as I grew up, um, uh, it's just a team dynamics as well. And um, yeah, so I was able to use my architectural skills, not necessarily at the same level of creativity, uh, but the whole thing around putting a concept first and then delivering uh, was, a, some, was something which actually I was able to using my IT programming skills as well. Rastogi went on to expand his skill set by enrolling in a Master's of Computer Science at the National University of Singapore. I've been a very, I guess, tuned with the idea that we need to go for a formal education at the same time. So I actually enrolled myself in uh, one of the best universities, uh, National University of Singapore, and I did Master's of Computer Science over there as, as a part-timer. So I really loved it because I was able to see not just practically, practically what I was doing or what I was learning on my own or picking things on in the project, but like how the, the, the industry is moving uh, from the research perspective. So, so it was great because I was able to get exposed to a lot more, lot more, a lot more large database sets and how the whole industry is moving around that. When Rastogi got married, he and his wife started to think seriously about their future and where they would settle and continue to build their life. While I was in fourth year of my Singapore stay, I got married as well. Congrats. And, <laughs> and um, so, because it was my part-time master's that I was going through, once it was over, um, it was kind of a question that we really want to ask ourselves that where do we really want to settle down? Hmm. And um, as you would know, there's a national services that kids have to go, as in the sons have to go in, in Singapore. And we were like, uh, we love the country. Uh, we are okay with the, with the temperature and everything given the proximity to India. But do we really want to impose that kind of restriction in, in our second, for our second generation? And the answer was no. And uh, then the question was like, okay, which country from here? As a young couple, both in IT, we, we had all places in the world that we can actually, we could have actually migrated to. So we, again, kind of a very systematic approach that we took. We worked out all the different options. We worked out what are the different criteria that we'll be looking at, what would be the weights for that. We did a bit of voting on each aspect and then come up, come up with a cumulative score with a weighted factor, a model which I didn't really know what it was called earlier. It's all very process-driven. Very <laughs> process-oriented, and I thank my wife for being on the same page um, to be able to work out in the same mentality or, or, or I guess, with the same frequency. Of course, we, we, we differ or we, we have different opinions mostly all the time, but, <laughs> but the thing is that uh, we have a congruent system 
that can lead us into a more systematic approach. And of course, like we, we value our emotions as well, uh, but then it is just one of the other factors that we look at. And um, so we evaluated quite a few countries and uh, Australia was a winner. And uh, we applied for offshore uh, residency uh, from Singapore, had no issues then. In 2005, we got approved. 2006, we were here. Despite having no real savings to invest with, Ristogi's tenacity pushed him to make a start on his journey. My first property was actually actually back home in India, uh, in Delhi actually. Okay. And uh, once, like, I was never a saver, so I never saved money. Even the money that I had was actually spent on my own marriage. So I had nothing to start with. But then I quickly realized that I have to have a plan for the future in terms of we really need to invest but the question was there was no money to invest so idea was that if 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 we invest somewhere then we will be bound to save for that because if there's a mortgage on our head the mortgage money or the savings will go out of our budget first and then we have to play around with the leftovers so on that note we were able to invest something back home after doing a bit of research listening to our family and friends over there it was good for some time, but then um, it didn't really work very well. Um, I guess it didn't really stood the test of time. And um, so I, I was out of investing for some time. Uh, yep. But having said that, I was still investing in shares because I have realized that it's not what I earn that matters. It also What matters is that what my earnings can earn for me. That's right. So making the hard-earned money work harder for me was the key. So I was actually doing a lot of research. As, as you know, like I studied programming on my own, I was started looking out on how do I go about investing my savings and, and having that kind of a mindset to save more to invest. And uh, so nothing happened um, until 2007. We, we were on the crossroads. Okay, should we really go for our first home in, in, in Sydney here? Or, or what should we be looking at? And then I was like, hold on, if I go for my investment or buy my own property, then I'll be stuck in the sense that I have to value my job a lot more than otherwise. And um, it, it, it made me think through like what I really want in my life uh, in terms of my career, uh, as well as what kind of life I would like to live, lead along with my family. Rostolgi was faced with a personal decision, which would eventually lead him a step closer to his financial freedom. And it came to me that uh, IT has been more of an accidental career for me. That was a demand of the time in the country like India. But now I'm here in Sydney, uh, in Australia, where opportunities are just all over the place. It's like, if you're good at it, uh, there will be an opportunity for you to work on. So that prompted me to think like, what is the real, real essence? Like, what is my real value system? And I realized that it's the investing, making the money uh, work harder is the key thing that I should be looking at. And that actually made me quit my job in 2007 in IT. I was actually wow. doing a really good job here. I was working with a company called Evernard, which is a joint venture of Accenture and Microsoft. I was doing a great job over there. Loved the company, loved the job I was doing. Um, but then I thought like, I really want to think about what I really want to do. So I quitted my job and start preparing for GMAT and went for my MBA wanted to go to US for my MBA uh, as in business school. Yeah. Uh, but my wife was uh, uh, pregnant with our first child. So we had to really think through what yes. we really want to do. Yeah. Um, so that made me choose to go for a local school here in Sydney, AGSM. 
Oh, yes. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm so proud to make that decision. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, I was so much keen to go to USL. So later on, on my exchange program, I chose to go to Chicago Booth Business School for, for my studies. Things seem to be heading in a good direction, but life took a turn once again. That's something very well. Uh, and I really want to get in the finance and managing money, get into the investment banking. Uh, but GFC happened. Oh, yeah. That actually threw... <laughs> it, it actually put so much of pressure in terms of what should I be doing? Should I really go back to IT industry? Uh, because uh, now I have no, no job. My wife is going for a maternity leave and um, we don't want to compromise on our lifestyle. No, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a hard year, like 2008 or 2009, uh, because I was very much committed to make a switch. And uh, because of the GFC, it, the jobs were very hard to find, especially when I'm making a career switch. So in parallel, I started studying CFA, which is a chartered financial analysis. It is a three-level three program, um, which typically people takes six, seven years sometimes um, more. Um, and I actually got it out in three years. So the preparation for that exam alone got me that credibility and then motivation that I really want to stick down to stick on to my my industry of choice that's great. financial investments yep and um, i guess because of my sheer persistence and consistency in my efforts i was able to land into a job in westpac as an equities analyst wow that's fantastic so, so purely research role purely research role and uh, nothing to do with architecture nothing to do with it but purely looking at the company's financials making a call whether it's a good prop, good, good company to buy or not. And uh, yeah, so from there, once I landed into the job, um, six months into, the, it, in, into it, I realized that, okay, what do I do now? So, are you inspired by Rastolgi's journey so far? Don't worry, his story doesn't end there. We'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll talk about Rastolgi's philosophy and mindset around investing. So, yeah, exactly. To me, it's more about where you put your mind on, uh, your focus on the energy flows and uh, law of attraction works. He shares with us the worst moments of his investing journey. So, this was interstate property. I knew that I had to go for auction on over the phone. I did all the research that I used to do. We discussed the strategies he's perfected over years of investing. And that actually defines the mandate that what should be my next property be looking like. So I have a mandate, I have a strategy in place first that will define and guide me the mandate for my next purchase. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll see you then.